I'm back, baby. Oh, my double crap. Do you know who I am? No, but maybe if you hum a few bars. Yes, sir, random kid I just met. You know, this man's forgotten more about pain than you'll ever remember. About pain. About forgetting about. It's Jake C. Lee. I am the low rating that cancels your program. I thought you were made of sterner stuff. Don't be jealous because I'm attractive. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you're serious. Let me laugh even harder. It's time to check the link. I like that. I didn't do anything wrong because I can't do anything wrong. Hooray! People are paying attention to me. It's all in sports. Game on, everyone. It is All in Sports. Jake Seeley, your host. As always, a couple nice cities to get out of the way. Real quick off the top. As a reminder, if you haven't subscribed to The Athletic, which I'm not sure why you haven't at this point to get my rankings, all my great advice, but also not just mine, the worlds of information out there, like if you're covering baseball winter meetings and the Ken Rosenthal's of the world and much more accomplished people than myself, if you go to theathletic.com slash all in sports, you get 30% off. Also, if you want to check out the Patreon page, it's patreon.com front slash all in sports. It's myself, Joe Pizza P and Chris Meany. Extra shows, videos, the black book, discounts on t-shirts. The final day to join that is Monday to be entered in the contest to win the signed Keenan Allen jersey. So hell, if you just join for one month and then get that and potentially win it. And if you don't win it, you'll be like, yeah, screw you, Jake. I'm out of here. So go do that. Support us if you want. Give the show five stars, review, nice. I mean, you don't have to give it five stars, but I would appreciate it, especially to make up for the one person that recently, recently, with no reason explained, gave me one star. It's probably because people hate me. I, I understand that. But you can do all that. Two guests today, as always, being Thursday, James Coe, and starting things off with Rich Rebar of Roto World. It's going to be a great show today. And I, I think we'll just, that's good enough. That's, I think that's enough niceties for now. So let's jump into it. Let's get started. And the first guest for today is Rich Rebar. You know him as Lord Reeves on Twitter. You didn't, you actually don't know what he looks like unless you've seen him in person because of his heavy. He is not Zach Morris, although this still is probably one of the best in the industry at the having the Abbey out there. But you tell everybody, Rich, because I want to make sure they know where to find your stuff, where to just, okay, the world of Rich, where do they get it? It's it's all at Roto World. It's all you got to go. Just go to Roto World. All my columns are up there. The worksheet goes on Wednesdays. I do a DFS chat on Thursdays. Me and Raymond Summerlin do a betting column that goes up on Fridays. And I do just like a little short DFS, you know, versus the rankings column on Saturdays. And then, you know, all the stuff in the season pass, seasonal rankings, stuff like that is all on the season pass side. But everything's at Roto World. One-stop shop. Yes, and the worksheet is actually a really good tool for everybody out there, especially some of the things that you dig up. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> we just, I, are you the one that somebody was taking stuff from a couple of years ago and then disappeared? Into the uh, yeah, that, that did happen. It was an unfortunate thing. Um, you know, it was, uh, it's funny that you bring it up, but uh, yeah, but it was when I first started doing the column back at XN Sports at that time, and uh, right, uh, uh, someone else tried to no, this is gonna be, I was gonna spin it into else. a positive, like I wasn't gonna okay, you know, like, people, <laughs> people who don't know don't remember, people who do do, and I don't have to mention like the person, the person's not around anymore. But my point was spinning into positive is like that's how good your information is, like the stats that you throw out, it's not just like hey, you know, wide receiver X has the average of 13 catches for all last of his seven passes or something stupid. It's like, okay, so what? That doesn't matter. Like, it's the valuable information that you take and actually it's, it's, it's applicable to being able to use it for this week. 
Oh, I appreciate it. I thought you would go a little bit more, but okay. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Maniacal laugh. <laughs> this, yeah, this, 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 that's the week 15 uh, card cutting analysis. No, I mean, I've never handled that stuff well. I mean, people uh, have been listening. Well. This is a, satur- it's a saturated market. A lot of people are doing great stuff. Uh, I'm, I, I'm just out here trying to, you know, do something unique and, you know, have some people uh, come check out and, get, and keep my kids, you know, uh, eat, eating here. No, see, Rich, what you do is you'd go complete 180 with it. You go like I do and you say, yes, I'm amazing. Yes, I'm great. So then people hate you. And then that's, that's how you turn it. That's so where you're like, Full heel. yes. Yeah. That's all and heel. And then the people that don't know you and come across you at like this point, not knowing that you've had this shtick going on, think you're actually like a jackass. So it's, it's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I couldn't pull it on you though, because we've actually met in person a few times and uh, listen, I'm just, I'm just, I, I, I preach positivity, man. It's all, it's what's about here. <laughs> all right. Well, oh, boom. There you go. Here's Thank you for a transition. You know, talk about positivity. <laughs> Give me some positivity tonight because obviously by the time people listen to this this afternoon, we're talking Thursday, maybe Friday, it doesn't matter because the game's already been played. But if you're listening to this before <laughs> Thursday night football, we've got two scenarios for the Chargers. Like it's, it, it sounds mm-hmm. like now that the Spencer Ware's not playing. We'll get to him in a second. But for the Chargers situation, let's say you're sitting there, game time comes around, Melvin Gordon is active. How are you valuing him and Justin Jackson? You get to game time. Melvin Gordon is out. How are you valuing Justin Jackson and Detroit Newsom? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. We were talking a little about the show, and I Melvin Gordon was one of my most drafted players this season. So unfortunately, I am not playing tonight. Uh, unfortunately, in a lot of those leagues that have him, I mean, it's really tricky because they let him travel. You remember in week 11, he kind of talked his way into playing and was on his way to a, a big workload in that game against the Cardinals before he got hurt. He actually got hurt on that you know, end of round where he was like lined up at receiver. It was just real unfortunate for all of us. Um, but it seems like this time, if he talks his way into playing, that the Chargers are not going to give him a full workload. That's kind of what the report is. It's, it puts owners in a tricky spot because I feel like if he's active, the match is, matchup's so good that he could even get like 15 touches and still – be flirt with RB1 potential definitely probably top 15 you know upside against a a Chiefs team that is 31st in yards allowed per game to running backs total yards Uh, they allow uh, just a ton of of pass catches uh, to running backs they actually allowed 14 receptions to Chargers backs back in week one so if Gordon plays I think you just got to swallow the pill and play him I doubt you have an option that's probably better than him at this stage Um, but you know just a little bit of tempered expectations you're just hoping for a touchdown he can get in the end zone catch a couple passes I mean, if he's out though, and we just get Justin Jackson, and uh, is it Don, is it Dontrell Newsom or Denzel Newsom? What is his I, first name? I kept wanting to say Des Trez Newsom. I, I think it's Trez Newsom. The Trez. Yeah. Yeah. So I put like an extra Z in there for some reason because I don't know why. It's just when in my like the Trez sounds like I'm saying it wrong, but that is the correct that the Trez is correct. It's D E T R E Z. I keep wanting to say Des Trez. <laughs> Can we just call him Dez Trez? That sounds I, I like Dez Trez a little bit more. So if Dez Trez, uh, if it's just Dez Trez and Justin Jackson, I mean, you have well, to. Like, also, to that point real quick, Rich, while we're recording this, breaking news, uh, rap sheet, Aaron Rappaport says the Chargers are promoting Tremaine Pope from the practice squad. So Ooh. that might be a tell. So there you go. Yeah. Ooh, baby. So that's so we're probably gonna get the just Justin Jackson and those two guys. That's what it, that's the signal then. <laughs> uh, so Des Trez, <laughs> Des Trez and Trimaine Pope and Justin Jackson. But if 
if it's Justin Jackson as a lead backfield uh, where we can get him, you know, 15 plus touches, it's a tremendous spot. I don't know where you you uh, are going to rank him, but I would say he's for sure definitely a top 15 option with the upside to be a lot more against the match. But everyone is smashed against against the Chiefs. Every running back, basically, every offense that that runs the football or has pass catching viability. It's and Philip Rivers is a guy that's going to throw checkdowns to their running back often. It, we it doesn't matter who his back has ever been. They've always caught a lot of passes in that system. So, I mean, Justin Jackson's going to be in just a great spot. You know, unfortunately, as a road dog, but, uh, you know, for DFS where he's min-priced, you know, still on a site like FanDuel, will be a lock on Thursday through Monday slates. And a lock for your lineups uh, definitely would be excited to play him tonight. It, what would you put as the odds of a disappointment game tonight scoring-wise? Like, this turns out to be Cowboys, Saints, and we're aggravated. Oh man, probably like something like maybe like twenty five percent, something okay. like that. Like maybe like maybe like a one in four shot. I mean, the, the Chargers have a pretty poor history in Arrowhead. They've they've it's kind of been like a right. house of horrors recently. You have the fact that sometimes they tend to they at times they have tended to drag down the game and slow it down a little bit, and maybe that's their like. I, I'm with you. I just that's I I. I, I there's like a part of me that feels like 11 o'clock tonight, we're all going to be miserable. <laughs> I mean, the Chiefs are going to do their part. They're the only team in the NFL that scored more than three touchdowns in every game this season. Uh, I just don't see as good as the Chargers are. I think that there are a good defense, even though their schedule has been pretty light this season, that the Chiefs are still going to do their part to get it there. I hope so. Right, so so <laughs> let's talk about that then. If the Chiefs are doing their part, Damian Williams – or Justin Jackson, because at least with Justin Jackson, we have it's him and Newsome, and they just promoted Pope, but, you know, that's probably a depth thing. With Damian, he got his touches last week, especially with the bagged-up wear coming out and not even playing overtime, but he was far less efficient on his touches. You have mm-hmm. Darrell Williams back in the mix. You have Charkandrick West, which we're going to assume is going to be active for the first time since he signed about a week and a half ago now. How much would you trust Damian Williams for your team tonight? Yeah, he'd be more of like a lower RB2 flex, op- flex option where you're hoping the offense elevates, you know, his standing. You know, he's only had his career highest 13 touches in a game. He's probably going to get that. I would say at least we have a good odds to get the, at least the 13 touches. You know, it's interesting. I like Damian Williams coming out of Oklahoma. I thought he was a good prospect. You know, uh, speed, size, agility was all there. Uh, just never has really gotten a shot in the NFL outside of being a change of pace back, which is interesting because he's like two, a 225-pound guy. He's not a smaller <laughs> back like you would think the way he's used. But he's been used like that every stop. What's interesting is Sharkandrick West, they used, the Chiefs used him last year, you know, and they had him as like a change of pace back, but don't throw to him. Like he would come in on third downs and this not really do anything. Like not, not like your typical like third down back. So I don't really know what to expect. I would expect it would be some kind of timeshare, but tougher to decipher with Williams in the in the lead there. Uh, but you're just really hoping that the Chiefs offense elevates him. So like you said, he really has never really been, like, really efficient with uh, his touches, especially in the ground game. Uh, he's never been an efficient runner. So, I mean, that's what you're, uh, you're looking for him to do is damage in the passing game. And the Chargers have allowed the fourth most receiving yards to backfields in the NFL. So, I mean, you're looking for some of that to carry over. What do you think the odds are that Darrell outscores Damian? Uh, I would say pretty low still. Uh, I would say if anyone has a shot at scoring a touchdown, we're going to put it on Damian. Okay. That's fair. That is fair. Uh, two touchdowns? What are your odds on that? I mean, two against the Ravens. So, I mean, <laughs> so, wait, wait, I mean you're over like one. If you get one, listen, if you get one, don't be begging for two. 
<laughs> you know what? Somebody out there is going to say that. Something's going to happen at the goal line. A play is going to go sideways. They're going to be like, he could have had two touchdowns. Hey, listen, if you're playing Damian Williams in week 15 in your playoff games and you get a touchdown, don't you dare come in my way begging for two. <laughs> yeah, have you ever blocked anybody? Have I? Yeah. Oh, on Twitter? Yeah, a couple people. Uh, not very often. I mean, I, was say, I don't feel like you block a lot of people. I, I don't. Uh, you got to be, you got to come real hard, man. And just not, you just bring just a, a consistent negativity into my feed. <laughs> See, I, I do it, especially like I'll do it almost instantaneous. If you come after one of my followers, which has happened happened before, like people call all their followers like names and troll them. And I'm like, dude, just look, one, one thing for me, but one another for my followers. But I, I made a game out of it, Richard. So it's now it's it's mute, block, or ignore, and the, the fans get to decide what I'm going to do with it. Actually, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll incorporate that. Yeah, we we did it a game. I, I I thought of it because at the first time I did it on the Patreon podcast, and I said, "What do you think I did with them?" And then I was like, "You know what? I'm going to let the the Twitter followers decide." So yeah, you you have to get in on that. So that was you're not being mean because you're too nice that <laughs> you let somebody else do it for you. Um. Nick Foles, that quarterback. Ooh. What are you doing? Do, do you have anything? I know I, I don't really have that here, but that's big news. Yeah. That I had and I forgot to plug that in. But what are you doing with any of the wide receivers? Are you, I think the simplest question is, are you starting any of them? Because since Golden Tate arrived, Alshon Jeffrey's been nothing almost. Uh, Golden Tate has had a decent game and a bad game and kind of like he's all over the map. But then we really have the point of Nick Foles comes in and, who knows who Nick Foles is going to go to? Zach Ertz is who he's going to go to. I mean, well, I, I, yeah, we know that. I, I left Zach Ertz out on purpose. We know Zach Ertz is fine. I know. Well, that's really it, though. That's what this uh, offense has kind of become. You know, it's kind of just been Zach Ertz. You know, when Alshon first came back from his injury, he was on fire that first month and then just kind of just really disappeared and his target shares just took a dramatic hit, you know, since Golden Tate's been added to the roster. And, you know, you look at this Rams team since they've come back from the bye with a a Kim Tlaib, uh, they have kind of smothered some receiver play here. They've only allowed receivers to catch 19 of 36 targets the past few games for 174 yards and zero touchdowns. Some of that has been aided by opposing quarterback play. I mean, they got Mitch coming back from his injury last week, didn't play well in that game at all. And then, you know, Stafford the week before who just has really just it's, – it's not – I don't really – it's not really Stafford's fault this year that everything's happened this way. But uh, that offense has, been, has just been just a, a sinkhole, you know, the back half of the year as well. So maybe we get that here. But I think it, it similarly lines up. We're getting an Eagles team that's kind of just finishing it out, going to turn to Nick Foles, really haven't had a lot of production for us in the first place with Carson Wentz, these wide receivers. So it's a situation where I'm just not excited to play really either of these guys outside of like a, a fringe wide receiver three area. All right, that's fair. So let's talk about the running quarterbacks then. And I'm going to bring up two of them because both of them have issues throwing the ball. Uh, one we weren't sure was going to start this week, but we already got the news that he is starting. He's staying at quarterback. Uh, the team's 3-1 and one with the Nestle Lamar Jackson. The other one can throw it a little bit better, uh, but he's actually been the better runner as well. But I want to talk to Lamar Jackson first. If you're somehow – which we're talking for people in week 15 – if you're somehow alive with Lamar Jackson as your quarterback or as one of your options, is there any way you trust him in week 15 with the fact that, hey, he comes out struggling in the first quarter and a half and all of a sudden it's Joe Flacco time? I think that's a worry, but they're in a spot that uh, – I think that was going to be a worry last week where you knew there was going to be like a game situation where they're going to have to chase points against the Chiefs. 
and it never really happened uh, in Flacco as an active anyways. But this week, I, I think that's a really in the lower realm of probability, the way the Bucks have traveled, have not played well on the road at all this season, and the Ravens have been a really good home team for the, you know, the past three years. So I think that they're going to control this game. Uh, he's been really just like a safe floor option. We haven't gotten like that juice from Lamar Jackson where he's like a, a top 10 quarterback, but he's been the QB 11 to the QB 15 in all four of his starts. And actually his QB 15 start was the one he scored the most points in just in the context of the field. It was his worst week. Uh, so you're getting just a lot of safety net of points. He's a safe option. Not We really can't count on the upside yet. We haven't seen it. Uh, and that's because you haven't gotten the really the, the passing production. Where he's really struggled is, is to the boundaries, and he's really nuked to those wide receivers. Uh, it's actually saved us because, you know, for several weeks I was trying to talk myself into John Brown, and it just kept wasn't popping, wasn't popping. It's like, well, you know, John, objectively John Brown still looks good. He's got he's getting his targets, got the matchup. He's actually just helped me wash, wash away from that. I don't even have to consider playing John Brown anymore. So it's been <laughs> kind of a blessing in disguise. But he's been a nice safe floor option. I think that he still will be one of those, like, in that QB 10 to 15 bucket again this week. Yeah, I could definitely see that. All right, so here's a flip-flop, or a flip-flop question. Yeah, flip-flop question. We, well, those, that makes sense. Here's mm-hmm. a question to see which way you would go. Would you rather start Lamar Jackson or in the same game, Jameis Winston? Yeah, I think I would, I think I would set hedge with L- Lamar just because we don't know where the floor is going to be for Winston. We've seen the yardage kind of drop the past few games. Uh, he was he was awful. I had that game last week for Roto World, and he was 6 of 17 in the second half of that game, just under pressure the entire second half. And I think that's something we could see here again. My other problem here, too, is the strength of the way the Bucks passing game works plays right into the strength of the Ravens' defense. If you're going to have success throwing the ball against the Ravens, it's over the middle of the field, typically with a tight end or a, you know running backs in the backfield and, a, and a, bit, a really good slot guy. And they have a decent slot guy in Adam Humphreys. I think he's still an okay wide receiver three in full PPR. But Cameron Braid is basically a catch the ball in the end zone or nothing option. Uh, they don't have uh, a running back out of the backfield that you can count on to create a mismatch. So they, they really rely on their receivers to generate all their passing production. And Baltimore has just crushed wide receiver play all season. They've played a really good wide receiver schedule as well. Obviously, they played the Steelers guys twice. They played Julio. They played Michael Thomas. Tyreek finally had their first 100-yard game they allowed last week. Uh, I don't think that it's a spot where we can count on the, the Chris Godwins and the Mike Evans to really – push Winston over the 300-yard mark. I think you're probably looking at something in the low 200s, and you're hoping that he continues to get that rushing production. He's averaging 41 rushing yards per game in his full games, so you get an extra touchdown passing from his legs. Uh, But I consider him probably more of like a mid-QB2 this week than how he's been like a low QBN1, you know, the the past couple games. Well, you know what that means, right? You know that means that Jameis Winston is going to come out and throw for 387 yards, four four touchdowns and two picks (laughs) or something like that. It's just because that's football for us. All right. So the other thing too is the Ravens, since they've had Lamar Jackson, they they went from one of the pass heaviest teams to one of the most run heaviest, obviously because they're using all these designed runs. But the thing is, they're just murking teams and play play differential per game. I mean, the, you look at that Falcons team a couple weeks ago, they ran over 30 more plays than the Falcons. You know, that could be something we have here where they just run because the Bucks have a lot over 100 yards rushing in eight, eight consecutive games as a franchise, their longest streak uh, since 2010. Uh, so they can just not have the ball in this game. <laughs> you know who that would work for, though, who, who wouldn't matter? It would be the Seahawks. Seeing as how like Russell Wilson throws a touchdown every five attempts, yep. <laughs> they're like, I don't care. I could throw the ball fifteen times and put up fifty points. It's not how crazy was it a couple weeks ago at, uh, when they played the 49ers in Seattle? He had four completions at halftime. He had three touchdowns. Yeah, 
That's a, there was somebody that threw out the stat to me, and that, that he has all his three plus touchdown games came with nineteen or less completions. It's unreal, like, man. It's crazy. All, it's, that's so weird. all his twenty plus reception. And there's not a lot twenty plus completion games. I mean, it doesn't even get up to I don't think like twenty five or anything. But all those games only have two or less. But all the ones underneath, it's just that, that's crazy for me. So all right, with the Josh Allen situation. <laughs> We know Josh Allen is basically their leading runner. I mean, he's been the best mm-hmm. running back. So I think this comes down to this week, playoffs again, on the line. Are you going Josh Allen? Are you going Aaron Rodgers? Are you going Dak Prescott, Kirk? Like, where do you draw the line with, hey, you know what? I'm going to roll with Josh Allen in my playoffs. I think it depends on your, your situation. Like, how do you – are you a dog? Like, do you feel like you need to chase upside? Like, because Josh Allen has shown a requisite ceiling for fantasy. I mean, he's got – you know, he's been a, a top five quarterback three times already this well, season. Can I like sidebar you, you real quick? Yeah, sure. Now, you say that, and I, I, I love that you said that, like, are you a dog? But I think the way that you asked it is what I want to break down for. I explain to people out there because I think the biggest thing we get, and I've seen these questions, and usually they start rolling in this time of year or a week or two ago as playoffs are coming in or they're starting or they're here, is – well, the projections have me favored to lose, or not favored. The projections have me losing by 25. The projections have me this. The projections have me that. And I stop looking at the projections. Evaluate yeah. your team. Do you think you need upside and ceiling? So when you say you're a dog, I'm assuming you're saying your evaluation of your team is, you know, maybe something like I was telling you before we came on the show is I lost Kareem Hunt, James Conner, Emmanuel Sanders, and I still can't remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I know. I, I'm not necessarily even a dog by projections, but I know my team has a lot of volatility. Right, absolutely. And, yeah, I've, I've, my father-in-law always goes by these projections, and he always tells me on Monday, he's like, I lost. That guy didn't hit his projection. If he had just got there, you know, hit his seasonal average. I'm like, yeah, I always tell him, like, that stuff doesn't matter. Just ignore it. Um, yeah, you're talking about team evaluation. If you're a team that's going, you know, uh, if you lot, you've, you've had some of these injuries – and you're going against a team that has, you know, an Ezekiel Elliott or a Christian McCaffrey, a Saquon Barkley, these guys that you know have high floors, high ceilings. These are just ultra-safe players. You're facing a team that has a, you know, maybe like a Jared Goff or, a Ty, you know, if you had a bye with Todd Gurley. And they're, you know, are, have these guys that have high floors, really high ceilings that come along with those high floors. You've had some injuries. You know, you need to chase some points. We need, to, we need to find points somewhere. Just having a Damian Williams that's going to get us uh, a 10 PPR points or 12 PPR points isn't going to do it for us. We, we, need, we need to try to crack into someone that's got a 20-point upside. Maybe we're, we're, we're going to play a guy like Robbie Anderson this week who may have a 5 but is in a good spot to maybe have a 20. So that's kind of where you are with Josh Allen this week. Um, you know, if you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers has a low floor, probably not a high ceiling at all. You might want to play a guy like Josh Allen and roll the dice. Understanding you know that Josh Allen could be, you know, a, a single point digit scorer this week, but you also know he's got 25 plus point upside that he's shown, you know, since he's come back from injury. Um, so that's kind of where you are, you know, with him. The, the thing with Josh Allen and his rushing is he's doing it off scrambling and not these design plays. Like we know Lamar Jackson has a safe floor because we know the type of his, his rushing plays are in the playbook. Josh Allen's getting all of his rushing production off of, of just passing plays breaking down. And it helps that he's the most pressured quarterback in the NFL, so that does help a little bit uh, for the rushing you know, production. But there's a point where he's just not going to have to run um, because they're not running design plays, and that's when the floor is going to come back. So do you uh, think this, this matchup this week actually points to that being good or bad? Because the, so this, here's what we have is 
We have mm-hmm. a lot of people are throwing back. Well, yeah, Josh Allen's fun, but the Detroit Lions have stopped a lot of running quarterbacks this year. Since they added Damon Harrison, they've stopped the run overall, but they don't pressure the quarterback. So it's kind of like, which way? And I'm not saying you're right because this is one of those ones where you can pretty much make what argument you want to make. Mm-hmm. You make the argument, well, they don't pressure the quarterback, so they'll have all this time to sit back there and then take off running and find space. You can come with the argument, well, they don't pressure the quarterback. So if they do get anything and he tries to run up the middle, he's going to get stuck. Like, which way are you attacking it? Do you think, I'll put it this way. All that being said, and in your explanation, if the over under was 70 rushing yards, what would you take for Allen? I would take, I would take the under just from a betting stance, uh, you know, probability. Like you said, the Lions don't put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. On the other hand, everyone puts pressure on the bills. Uh, so maybe, maybe that kind of meets in the middle and you get to that. And the other thing too, it's just, just, we're talking about scrambling plays and talking about full season rushing stats allowed. There's just so much variance in there. I mean, right. one scramble could be a 20 yard scramble. I mean, he actually has six, he has six runs of 20 or more yards since he's come back from injury, which is tied with Saquon Barkley for the most in the league. It's just, it's just a lot of volatility, a lot of variance, uh, which is like I said, there's, there's just a low floor and an upside there. It's, I don't think he's going to have like a hedge game. I just don't really think that he's going to be that kind of quarterback really for fantasy football. Um, I just don't think he's that kind of guy. So, I mean, it's just one of those things that you got to look at your situation, like I said, evaluate your team, evaluate your matchup. Think if you need to chase points, um, but if you need like a safety net, you know, then go in a different direction. Uh, I, I stopped listening after you said <laughs> better running back than Saquon Barkley. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly how I framed it, too. He's a better running back than Saquon <laughs> That's Barkley. That's exactly what you said. These <laughs> are coming. Uh, Rich. Speaking of running backs, do can can we ever trust Lamar? I feel like I I was ready for it, and this is the reason I hate him and I don't own him because it's like you know what? As soon as I'm ready to buy in, he's gonna go meh on me, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, what do we do with him? Yeah, he just kind of lives in like that RB two purgatory. I mean, Houston's been so good and they're so run heavy because they've been winning games and staying in these positive scripts that he stacked yardage. I mean, the problem with that the problem with him even over that stretch when he's been good is that he's just not getting the, the receptions to elevate him to like the RB one land. Even if you're in a standard league, you need running backs to get receiving points, you know, catch because catches are just so much more valuable even standard than they are, um, than they are just rushing attempts. So that's been his like one bugaboo, like to elevate him into ceiling status. He's getting, he's having nice games, a lot of yardage, uh, but just kind of lives in like that RB2 purgatory, can't get above it because of the receiving work. There is none. He's got a great matchup this week. I mean, the Jets have just been getting smoked on the ground. Uh, they've allowed 183 rushing yards per game over the past four games. It's the most in the league. Probably going to have positive game script. The Texans have started to work out for Blue in a little bit. Like, he kind of gets, he has, he's, he's kind of had double, well, he's had double digit carries now, I think, in like three of his past five games. Part of that's just because the script's been so good, but then you saw last week he got the first goal line touchdown. You know, that's yeah. kind of like one of those things. And that's just why Lamar Miller stays where he is. Like, we can never get excited as him in RB1, but if you've got him as, like, a, a safe floor, like RB2, I think you're going to get your yardage and you just hope for a touchdown. All right, so on the other side of the game, how much do you trust Elijah McGuire? Hey, because this is the first time we're really getting him to be the lead control option and it's like Trent Cannon's not even practicing I mean he might be in store for 80 percent 90 percent of the backfield touches or I should say snaps and then who knows what the touches will be but that's the question is who knows what the touches will be because the Jets offense 
Yeah, and it's one of those things, like, how excited were you to play these guys that really, you know, the Crowells of the world and the Bilal Pals, it's kind of where we are. But, you know, like I said, he's going to get a few more touches. The matchup's not good. He's going to be a dog, uh, probably not going to get a lot of rushing volume, but he can catch the ball. So if you're in a full PPR, I think he's elevated. He's, he's got a chance to catch more passes than, than handle more t- rushing touch, touches like he did a week ago. Uh, Houston's been really good against the run, six in total yardage allowed per game to backfields. Game script may not allow him to get probably 20 touches, but if he can get like 14, you know, with like five or six catches, like that's probably going to be enough to get you at like the low end RB2 and PPR. Maybe somehow fall into a touchdown, you know, hooray for you. Uh, but that's kind of where he is for me, kind of just more of like a, a PPR flex uh, in, in this game. All right. Well, two more. We'll do wide receiver situations and get you out because I want to keep you around for too long. But uh, the, the Amari, Amari, the Austin Hooper. Uh, his emergence this year, it's not like it's been, oh, groundbreaking and, oh, he's top five, but he's come on what people expected, and it's been somewhat to the detriment of Calvin Ridley and Muhammad Sanu after Calvin Ridley's hot start, and Sanu has been very much a matchup play so far this season. Looking at this week's game and this week's matchup, and given the fact that tight ends tend to struggle, is this potentially a game where we can get back to the excitement we've had for Calvin Ridley at times and or Mohamed Sanu, or do you think that Hooper just keeps rolling and keeps taking away from both of them? Yeah, Hooper's a little banged up too, and they kind of worked Eric Saubert into the, the rotation last week because of that. So it's you know one of those things, check on Austin. I haven't checked his practice reports this week yet to see if uh, if he was practicing, see so him come out of Speaking that game. Of reports, <laughs> Odell Beckham's visiting in the hospital to get his leg checked out. Oh, that's promising for his involvement yeah. this week, for anyone that thought he might come back this week then. Uh, Austin Hooper, to your point, uh, he missed practice yesterday, so we'll have to watch. That's, that's a good point. So there you go. Now you can break it down from <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's a trick. This, this is a tricky game to analyze because the Cardinals are typically pretty decent against the pass. And even not even – you would think initially it's like, well, teams don't have to throw on them because they've just been bad this year. And, and, and that is true, but on a per-attempt basis, they've also been really good against the pass. So it's a tricky spot. The Falcons have – haven't been good since their bye week at all against anyone. So it's kind of a tough game to evaluate. I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals went and gave, gave them a game, you know, in there because the Cardinals play boring football. We saw, we saw them going to Lambeau. We could have a similar, like, situation of, of that a couple weeks ago. It wouldn't surprise me. The thing is, if you're playing with games on the line, it's really just hard to place faith in Calvin Ridley. He's reached 50 yards receiving in just two of his past nine games. If he doesn't score a touchdown, he's unusable. His game is that he scored a touchdown this year. He's been the average wide receiver 13 in full PPR. In the games where he hasn't scored a touchdown, he's been the average wide receiver 68 with a high of wide receiver 45. Like, that's just unusable territory. So to just say I have to play a guy and I have to get a touchdown from the usable, we know that ceiling still exists. But if, you got, if you're on the line here, like, it's – like, there's – the floor is just tremendously low for Calvin Ridley like we've seen. Sanu really hasn't done a lot, but, uh, you know, when, if the Cardinals, if they are going to give up any type of production, it's typically through the slot. They're 19th versus slot receivers on the season. Sanu's not a high-ceiling option. He hasn't been higher than – he hasn't been a wide receiver three or better since week five either. So, I mean, just kind of – in no man's land flex option here, you know, again, with both these guys. So probably a situation I'm going to probably avoid, uh, you know, if I can live with myself, I think if Calvin Ridley has a big game, I can live with myself not chasing it in this matchup. Okay. How about Amari Cooper, who I started to say when I was thinking of Austin Hooper, is he definitive must start the rest of the way? He's definitely must start. I mean, I think this is a week to not expect 180 <laughs> receiving yards. Oh, um, really? Oh, darn. <laughs> 
Ah, yeah. So sorry for your luck, guys. But, uh, uh, you know, you look at Amari, and this is great. We, we're getting finally what we've seen from Amari. Because Amari was a guy that would have these splash play games. He had some of these, these big 100-yard yeah, games. Four games a year plays. that people think he's going to do it all 16 weeks. Right, but what we're get, the thing what we're getting from Amari in this Cowboys is he's got over 25% of the team targets in all those games but one. So now we're getting a safer floor, Amari, consistent target volume, Amari. And then you pepper in, you know, the, these games where he's getting these, these huge wide receiver one weeks, but they're surrounded now by these games where he's a, wider, a top 30 wide receiver, a top 24 wide receiver. That's what you want. That those are the players you want. So now we know that he's getting the target volume to have a safe floor with the upside for a high ceiling. Hey, now we're seeing it all come together for him as a fantasy option. You know, a guy you can stick in your lineup every week. Uh, this is a kind of a trickier matchup. Wide receivers only accounted for forty four point eight percent of the receptions against the Colts. That's the lowest rate in the league. They don't give up splash plays. They play that big umbrella, true Tampa two defense. Uh, a lot of tight ends, running back catches, the, then they come up and make tackles. So it's a game where it's probably going to be, uh, you know, a 5-for-60 game or like a 6-for-75 type of Amari Cooper game, which is a real solid game. So if like a wide receiver 2, wide receiver 3. They've only had one wide receiver 1 game on the season, the Colts have. So I don't think you're going to get that ceiling game. Now that it's still present, he can turn one of these catches into a big game like we've seen. Um, break yards after the catch you can still have that upside there but the floor is there for Amari now and that's all we've ever really wanted from Amari is to have a floor we could use yeah no you're, you're 100% right it's just we, we haven't had that in a long time all right <laughs> before I let you go I because I'm doing it I wasn't I didn't give you the heads up so you might need a second so if you need a second go ahead and think about it I want your best or your worst call, or maybe both this year. Maybe they're incorporated somehow. What was your best, looking back at 2018, your best or worst, or like I said, maybe you want to give me both. Um, I'd have to really evaluate to dig in like what was truly the best or not. I can say I, I, I opined during the summer still that Julian Edelman was the Patriots receiver you still wanted to keep drafting. Uh, he's just the one that pops up, pop my head. Uh, so you weren't on one of those people who were the worst case and had Chris Hogan as a wide receiver too. I, I didn't mind Hogan when he was like a sixth, seventh rounder, but when he when Edelman's pension came down and Hogan was a fourth rounder, I was yes. it was it was, it was fully jacked. So it's I funny mean, you say <laughs> that because I had the excitement for him to be a top twenty five wide receiver and thought he was going to be. I the avenue was there. I just when you had yeah. to pay for it was that's yeah. I'm with you. I I wasn't pay, I actually, and that's the thing that saved me is I was I was like all right. Everything's here. We saw the potential last year. You know, they have the opportunity. They have the targets. They have the volume. It's this offense. You should be top 25. And then what you said is like that price got so high. that was like, I didn't get burned by him because I didn't own him anywhere. Yeah, he was tough towards center. I mean, he jumped Emmanuel Sanders. Like I was in love with Emmanuel Sanders this summer too. And, and a lot of fantasy analysts were definitely no credit there. But he jumped Emmanuel Sanders in ADP. And I was like, whoa, right. whoa I'm just going to – I'll just wait. I'll just wait. I'm good. Um, there was definitely an avenue because it was probably – you're still talking about a 31-year-old wide receiver who had never had more than, what, 40 catches in a season. Right. It was a tough sell in the fourth round, man. It was a real tough sell. I know that the offense and everything was lined up to it. But I was really – when Edelman sunk – and I want I wanted Edelman anyways, but when Edelman sunk, I I was drafted I I drafted so much really over the summer, and uh, that kind of worked out. He's basically I think he's been the wide receiver thirteen since he's come back from suspension of full PPR. He's averaged six point two catches per game. It would be the fourth straight year he'd average he'll, he'll end the season averaging over six catches per game. Just ultra reliable. Has a smash matchup matchup this week against the Steelers defense that gets roasted in the middle of the field because they want to let their linebackers guard slot guys. Uh, they play that zone uh, on the interior. So, I mean, he's going to be good this week. So, I like that. Uh, bad calls, too many to count. 
Uh, I'm trying to think uh, like off the top. Uh, <laughs> you know, like you don't need all of them. I, I was not into. I so I was really I was hesitant on Travis Kelsey's ADP. That was more just like a hedge on ADP and position, though, not than talent. I'm trying to think of like a like a real big. That's not even that bad cell. either. Because look. I did the. I, I never draft tight ends in the first three rounds. And the two leagues where I said, you know what, Travis Kelsey's there at the beginning of the third, end of the second. I'll do it. I'll see what happens. And both of those leagues, I missed the playoffs. And I'm not saying like other things weren't a factor. It's just I hate what it does because you you somehow end up behind an eight ball somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, you know we talk, I think when I came on the show in summer, we actually talked about tight ends and went on it. Um, yeah. I see Larry, Larry Fitzgerald. I thought was going to be good. Awful. Terrible, uh, well, bad draft we're pick. We're expecting that offense to not be able to get in his own way. Yeah, I have some. I mean, I have some worse takes out there. I definitely have no shortage of bad takes that we can definitely find. I can, and everyone that's listening to this will definitely probably has some some tweet or start sit that I answered them in a, in oh, a of course. horrendous way. Oh yeah, that's not a, okay. first of all, <laughs> don't start tweeting rich of like one <laughs> bad calls. Please, oh like, my bad calls, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, one... got a lot of guys. I mean. Uh, Guys that didn't hurt, Kenny Stills, like David and Joku, those guys didn't really hurt a lot. Uh, yeah, injuries ADP, don't count they, for everybody out there. But they, they, they flamed hard. Um, I definitely have bad calls out there. I, gotta, I think Chris I was, Hogan was one of my worst ones. Well, my I can say my main guy that I did for Roto World, my must-draft player was Naheem Hines, and he, was ter- he wasn't good. So that was – yeah, we were supposed to do positive. You spent too much time on the negative. Like, well, well, I couldn't find a really good one, though. I'm sure there's a real, real bad. There's like a, there's real bad stuff out when there. You, when you find the real, real good one, tweet it. I want the, <laughs> I want the one. I want the one where everybody else should, should be like begging you and thanking you to every time in the future. Yes. <laughs> I mean, when you talk, when you talk and uh, write as many articles as I, I wrote over the summer and where I talk about as every single player and their outlook, uh, there's no shortage of finding bad calls. That's true, and there should be no shortage of finding good ones. I'm sure there's plenty, and I'm sure there's plenty to find. Like you said, in your art. By the way, once again, before you get out of here, follow at Lord Reeves, but also once again, run down through all your work and everything that you do at Roto World. Yeah, so everything at Roto World. Uh, so we start the week on Wednesdays. The worksheet comes out uh, to start the week. Uh, that's kind of like my bread and butter piece. That's what got me hired. Uh, the, you know, I have to keep doing it. I wish I wish I could slow down on it because it is a lot of work to get out by Wednesday. But it is kind of you know, in a, in a saturated market, you have something that separates yourself, and that's one that people aren't putting as much work into putting an article out like that. So that one comes out on Wednesdays. That's the main highlight piece, and then I do. Uh, a show on Wednesday nights with Evan Silva, the DFS pick six uh, that you can watch live on YouTube and then comes out as a podcast. And then I do a betting column with Raymond Summer that comes out on Fridays, a DFS article that comes on Saturdays. Um, so definitely check that stuff out. It's all at Roto World, though. You don't have to go searching around. Uh, just go to Roto World. You can find everything there. And then you sleep when? Uh, Feb- well, we're here two weeks away. February, yeah, though. Fe- February is when we sleep. You know how it is. Yeah, we're getting on February. Last I year, I just uh, last year I got done playing. We got done with fantasy football, and I just played Breath of the Wild for like six straight weeks. Uh, so yeah, see, so yeah, I do that. I'm a little bit different because I don't get mine. I get mine like the middle of the baseball season, like June. Like I said, that's that's where I can get stuff like that in. <laughs> so I'm gonna do some Red Dead Redemption uh, when we get done here. Just make sure you set your horse on fire from what I see from the clips. Like random fire popping up, everybody. But. Speaking of random fire in your articles all the time, Lord Reeves, Rich Freebar, really appreciate you coming on, man. We'll have to do it again next year like when you have less time taken up every single day. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Good luck this week for your playoff games.
All right, and it's Thursday, so you know it's time for James Cohen Co. knows. Follow him at James D. Co. Follow him at The Athletic for his next-gen stats article. And his next-gen tweets is why you should be following him. And then, of course, Sunday mornings on DirecTV. You can check him on the Fantasy Zone channel and throughout the day on the Fantasy Zone channel, breaking stuff down in the games, which is always enjoyable now that it's finally working, James. It only took like half the year for that to work for me for DirecTV. <laughs> that is <laughs> really terribly unfortunate. Yes, yeah. I know. That's, uh, that's really? not good. Speaking of unfortunate, real quick, you're not going to go get yourself a black eye before the show again this week, are you? <laughs> no, I am not. Why? Well, actually, I hope not because here's I, I have a um, like I have a schedule. You know, we're all on a, we're all just habits. You know, uh, creatures of habit. But um, Saturday is a sparring day um, at my at the gym that I go to at the boxing gym that I go to and. I mean, I wear headgear and all that, and, you know, we have, like, you know, I, I mean, we're all wearing 16-ounce gloves, so it's not like, you know, you get really too badly hurt or anything. But it, I just got clipped the wrong way, and I ended up with a pretty, pretty you know, noticeable black eye. It's not a big one. It's just super noticeable. <laughs> and um, and they just had to put on a crazy amount of makeup to cover it up, so I don't know. But I don't you know, so, so then, you know, my wife's like, well, are you going to stop going? I'm like, well, no, because <laughs> it's like I've been doing this for, you know, every Saturday for the past, I don't know, like eight months, so no, I'm not going to stop. You just better get not. You don't get one of those like those Brock Lesnar cuts under the eye where you yeah, know, that would be bad. Like an entire Q-tip in it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that's yeah. That is. Um, I don't think that could happen, but I, I guess I could be wrong. <laughs> but know. I don't know. You never know. You caught with the stitches in the glove the wrong way. That's, yeah. I guess so. Yeah. No, I know. But I, also, I'm not going in there with anybody who can lay that kind of wood down you know what I mean? <laughs> so i don't know i don't i don't think that would happen but i mean i guess crazier things right. happen i don't know oh try try you keep your head out of it you bob okay. and weave a little bit more bob, bob and weave. And i know but but i'm old and slow that that's the problem you know i'm old that's and why slow, i stopped playing so basketball i hear you brother i hear you. that's you know what that's the thing is like i'd rather go spar i'd say this all the time james is like if you at any point once you hit the age of 30 have stopped playing basketball for six months or more. Just you're done. Don't step oh, you're back done. court because you're going to injure yourself. Hundred percent accurate. That is a hundred, and it's so so true. And it's so so sad too because like I don't know what happens. Like, you're like body like calcified or something too. You're <laughs> done, dude. <laughs> I forgot how to do this. <laughs> oh man, so great. Speaking of forgetting how to do things, hey, how okay. did you expect that for a transition? Uh, hey. Mark Sanchez hasn't forgotten how to suck, but we looked at the Redskins offense and we have Josh Johnson at a quarterback. I, is there any chance if you've made it to week 15 and there are Redskins players on your team somewhere, somehow, that you're starting any of them with Josh Johnson at quarterback? Because we can, you know, throw out the whole, he came in the middle of the game. We can throw out the whole, you know, well, he did it in garbage time when the Giants had 40 points on the board, but Doxson's been kind of decent for a couple weeks now. You have Vernon Davis doing what he does every single year. Jordan Reed took until week 14 to get hurt, but he did get hurt. And now yes. we have Vernon Davis, Jameson Crowder's back. Adrian Peters has been so hit. Is there anybody you would put in your lineup? Um, is Josh John? I mean, look here, if the thing was you're, you were comfortable playing your Washington players with Mark Sanchez, um, I'm actually more comfortable playing them with Josh <laughs> Johnson than I am with Mark Sanchez. I mean, I think only the, Redskins fans were comfortable with Mark Sanchez. 
It's a very good point. I mean, he looked terrible. Um, he looked terrible in relief. He looked terrible as a start. And, um, you know, Josh Johnson comes in 11 of 16, you know, uh, 11 completions, 195 yards. It's pretty good. You know, touchdown and interception too. You don't care about the interceptions, but, you know, whatever. Um, I, I think he looked good. The fact that he's mobile and can move around, he's got good instincts in the pocket. Um, let me just say this. The fact that this guy was not on a roster is an embarrassment because yeah. there are so many bad backup quarterbacks out there. How, how on God's green earth is Nathan Peterman? How was he a backup quarterback? And Josh Johnson is playing in some, you know, arena flag football league or whatever it was. Like, it doesn't, yeah, the, the AA, it doesn't AA, make AML sense or something. Well, I don't know what it was called, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, just look at the guy play for five seconds. I mean, I just don't understand, but whatever. That's neither here nor there. It's definitely not fantasy, but um, from a fantasy perspective, I tell you what, if, um, if you have Washington players, uh, I'm not sure who you're playing. I mean, maybe you're playing Chris Thompson. Um, you know, I guess maybe not because, you know, I actually now that I think about it, because mobile, no, mobile quarterbacks generally don't check down. Right. Um, so, so I think your Chris Thompson, you know, shares are probably, you know, moot um, at this point. You know, if you Crowder, I think is decent. Um, you know, I I don't think you can trust you know Doxson, but the one area of the Jacksonville defense that has been consistently poor has been against tight ends. So maybe a Vernon. Day, I mean, with the state of tight ends this year. That's true. It's absolutely true. The state of tight ends. I mean, I think I think Vernon is absolutely worth a play. Um, I don't think he's looked terrible. And, and as you mentioned, you know, Jordan Reed goes down with injuries. Certainly more volume uh, will be av- available. And for whatever reason, you know, mobile co- quarterbacks and athletic tight ends, they just go together like, like hot sauce and fried chicken, man. So um, <laughs> I think it's a decent play. Wait, wait hold on, hold on. So I, I'm a barbecue and, and, and fried chicken. So I just I, – I think that's <laughs> – uh, <laughs> Who doesn't like hot sauce on their fried chicken? I, you I go to KFC, who doesn't dump a little bit of hot sauce <laughs> on their fried – Oh, come I like I like the Nashville hot, but that's a different hot. It's a different that's, flavor. Yeah, that's true. And it's not even a hot sauce per se. It's like a – Right. Yeah, I, but like, it doesn't I, matter. Like, you're, you're, get, de- you're still in the minority, pal. <laughs> I know. Like, I'll get – the hot barbecue sauce or the mangan, mang, mm, mango habanero. Like, I need another flavor than just a straight hot sauce. Like, when I go to Chipotle, I, don't put the, I put the Chipotle hot sauce on Chipotle. Okay. I see what you're saying. I see where you're going. Um, yeah, I don't know. Fla- I, I guess I need extra flavor. How about, how, about, how about like a Frank's Red Hot? Like, Frank's no, Red Hot. I, that's just too. You, you could put that on anything. I love that. No, people, no. people like Tabasco on, on their fried chicken. No? No. No. Oh, do you do it man. on your eggs too? I can't, I've I've been known to. Sure. Yeah. See, I I, I mean, like the, the, you know. I think that's the thing. I think the plain Tabasco, plain hot sauce, just doesn't do it for me. I think that's what it is. Ah, uh, man. We're, like we're, I love some gonna... Louisiana flavoring. Love it. Louisiana hot sauce, sure, absolutely, hundred percent. Um, but look, the bottom line is. We are we we seem to be at a philosophical crossroads here, uh, <laughs> you and I. You know, hot sauce. Who doesn't like hot sauce on fried chicken? This is. I, I just I just don't like plain hot sauce. Okay, all right. Like okay. if you all gave right. me the hot sauce bottle, I'd say, all right, give me a packet or whatever they have, or the side of the bottle of barbecue, and let me mix the two together. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> wow, we are we are entering dangerous territory here. Okay, we are. Right. Okay. We are All definitely. Right. I like it. Hey, speaking of dangerous territory, I'm gonna see hey. if I can come up with some crazy segue every single topic now. Okay. <laughs> Nick Foles is that quarterback. We, we've seen this before. Look, we saw the playoffs last year. We saw the Super Bowl. We've seen Foles be good. We've seen Foles be bad. I don't think that's where we're going with this because I feel like you and I have talked about the Eagles almost every freaking week this year. But here's what I want to attack it as. We kind of know the ups and downs of Nick Foles. What we don't know, and we know he knows who Zach Ertz is, and Zach Ertz is going to be fine. Zach Ertz, what, what we don't know is there's Golden Tate in the mix now. Can True. similar to the Redskins, can you start any Eagles receiver confidently with the way that the Rams' defense has been playing since Tlaib came back, not knowing if Foles is going to like Tate, like Jeffrey, like Aguilar, like where's he going? Yeah, you know, I, I'm actually pretty confident in um, in Zach Ertz this week. I think he at least on he has a good paper matchup. You know, the Rams have given up a ton of yards and a ton of touchdowns. Uh, to the slot position. As a matter of fact, I think they've given up 12 touchdowns, which would be the second most um, in the NFL. I have this somewhere here. Oh, wait. Okay, I can't find it. But anyways, um, but the, the, the Rams have given up uh, a ton of yards and a, a ton of touchdowns to receivers lined up in the slot. And you're saying, well, Zach Ertz is a tight end. And, and I understand that. But you got to understand, um, Zach Ertz lines up in the slot more than he lines up tight. Uh, which was a surprising stat to me. Um, and, and actually, 80% of his production, we're talking about um, receptions and yards, actually comes when he's lined up as some kind of wide receiver, whether it's going to be a slot receiver or um, an out-wide wide receiver. So um, he is their de facto slot man, and he's played a little bit less slot now that Golden Tate's been there, but it hasn't really impacted his um, – his shares from that position of on the field. So I still think he's in a pretty good position, even with a keep to lead back. I don't think he's going to track Zach Ertz. Those two guys, Marcus Peters and to they basically track the outside wide receiver. So um, that's kind of what I would expect. And, and I do think that Ertz is in a pretty good spot. Uh, I, I think he'll still see similar volume. Um, maybe, well, I, I, I guess I can't go that far because Zach, Zach Ertz and, uh, and Carson Wentz, they have a serious bromance. It doesn't matter if he's covered. It doesn't matter what's happening. Ertz has is, is just got eyes. He just has eyes for Ertz, man. So um, maybe it won't be nearly that much of a love affair, but I do think the volume will still be pretty good. All right. So would you roll out, if you had to pick one, what receiver are you rolling out? Any of them? None of them? Oh, no. Uh, I just don't – I would never trust Alshon in, in, in a spot like this. Um, you know, the corners are just too good. And like I said, I, I think Marcus Peters is – was hurt. Um, we know that he injured his groin. You know, I can't remember what week it was, but he just played through it, and he's never took time off. Uh, yep. I think he's slowly but surely getting healthier, and certainly with Aqib Tlaib getting back and getting healthier as well. Uh, I think that's not a favorable matchup um, at all. So I, I wouldn't be trusting Alshon, not with a backup quarterback, not against those two corners. No way. All right. Fair enough. Uh, how about Baker Mayfield this week? Baker Mayfield, because the Denver defense hasn't exactly, we just talking about former players are there in Tlaib. Uh, this hasn't been completely shut down this year. It's been scary at times. It's been vulnerable at times. 
it's still a tough place to play for a rookie quarterback or most quarterbacks. If you made it this far, if Baker's your quarterback, are you just going to roll him out there again, or are you looking for other options? Um, boy, in terms of streamers, he's he's up there. You know, um, you know, I know James Winston is a popular streamer, but I think he's a no go on the road against Baltimore's defense. I, I just can't see that being a a positive outcome for Jameis. So, in terms of you know high end streamers, I think he's it. You know, so. Um, Man, I, I I don't love the matchup. That being said, Chris Harris Jr. obviously injured. Um, and this team, I would say Denver is not really playing for much. Now, they are playing at home, um, which makes it a little bit more dicey of a proposition. And I'll say this, too. Baker has really lit up bad defenses. And he's really played well against bad Ds. Against good defenses, he hasn't looked good. So, you know, and Houston is a prime example of that. So uh, Houston, you know, pressured him a lot and forced him into a lot of questionable throws. Um, and, and what did he have, like four picks or four turnovers in the first half against Houston? So yeah. he ended up still throwing, I think, for like 400 yards almost. So, you know, he ended up redeeming himself in that regard. But I just think the pressure that Denver can create will cause problems for Baker, and I think that's going to end up capping his value. Although the fact that Chris Harris is not out there and the fact that Denver's offense has just been sucked into a black hole, um, I think that plays well into field position, and field position, as we know, will play into offense's hands. And for somebody like Baker, that certainly increases his touchdown upside. So – I think overall I'm okay with it, but you do have to understand he comes with a lot of downside risk. All right, fair enough. I let's think in this game and on the other side of the ball, you know, Cortland Sutton uh, was somebody that I was staying away from because of the matchup last week. And, you know, you look at the options in that field, and I'm super excited for Deshaun Hamilton. So this is kind of like a multifaceted one for you because I wanted to get your thoughts on them. And then also, can Sutton bounce back if Denzel Ward is out? Or do you think that Sutton drawing, no matter even if it isn't Ward, the, the other number one coverage from Kerry and the attention of the defense, that Hamilton is going to be the play the rest of the year? Because that's where I'm leaning. And I know the snap counts from last week are a little bit skewed because Sutton did come out of the game. But Hamilton still by far would have led the team because he was only on the it was only not on the field for two snaps. Yeah, um, I, I would tend to agree with that. You know, I think Hamilton is kind of known as a, you know, well, obviously he's a slot receiver and a good route runner. So we kind of saw that in Penn State, and I think we saw a little bit of that um, in his first full game as a starter last week. So um, I could kind, I can get on board with that. I still think injuries are a concern. You know, he's really not been in the lineup because of injuries, and because of that. Is there going to be a trust factor there? I, I think there's, I think that's kind of an issue as well. Man, I tell you what, I, just overall, I just don't trust this offense. You know, <laughs> I, look, Sutton had six targets last week. You know, Deshaun is there. Just, it's a low volume attack. They want to run the ball. That's what they're good at. They're good with Philip Lindsay, and and they're good with Royce Royce Freeman. And for me, I just. I, the passing game, I'm just not touching it. You know, Cortland Sutton or Deshaun Hamm, I'm just not touching it. Unless you're in a really, really deep league, um, it's really hard for me to kind of uh, advocate either one of those guys. Does Is this like the transitive property here, like where it's like, hey, 
Case Keenum obviously wasn't a very good quarterback. They did some magic with him, but now it's like, well, Pat Shermer really hasn't done too much that with Eli Manning. So is Eli Manning really that bad? It's true. Um, I, I mean, I will say this. Eli has been actually good under pressure when he throws it, um, which is a surprising, was actually a surprising, you know, revelation for me. Um, the fact that he is, hasn't thrown a pick under pressure um, and in terms of quarterback rating under pressure, her next gen stats, he's actually the fourth best in the NFL really? among qualified passers. Yeah. Um, he's thrown the ball 87 times under pressure, which is a lot. That's um, yeah, it's not great, but um, I'll, I'll give you a couple other stats, but we'll go with Eli first, but 87 times he's thrown it 45 times he's completed it. So a 51% completion percentage, which is not great. Um, it's not horrible, but it's certainly not great. Uh, 450 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions. So that's really what's boosted his quarterback rating. He's thrown no interceptions um, while under pressure. But that being said, it's kind of like, you know, we talked about boxing earlier. It's like, I don't know if you've ever seen like an aging boxer for those, for those folks listening, but aging boxers, what ends up happening is that they just can't pull the trigger. Um, they, they mm. might, their brain might see openings, but they can't actually physically pull the trigger to punch into that opening. Um, and I think that's kind of what we're seeing with Eli Manning is he got, gets under pressure and he maybe 10 years ago saw something and would take that, you know, risk to throw it. And now he's just swallowing the pill and either he goes down or he gets sacked or, you know, he tries to scramble and do the old man run, but it just doesn't work, you know? So um, even though when he has thrown it, he hasn't been awful. It's just when he's under pressure, he just can't make plays and he's under pressure a lot. So um yeah, I just, you know, I, I don't know if it's Shermer. I don't know if it's Manning. Uh, something needs to change, certainly. But uh, going back to these under-pressure stats, Patrick Mahomes uh, is, is up there. Matt Ryan is up there in terms of total attempts. Kirk Cousin is by far your most pressured quarterback, though. That um, surprised me. 154 times. Oh, my God. He, he has thrown. That's how many attempts he's thrown under pressure. That's not how many times he's been under pressure, but how many times he has thrown the ball under pressure. 154 times. And very, very impressively, he has completed 64.3% of those passes. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I hear, you know, people say Kirk Cousins, and Kirk Cousins has been bad, Kirk Cousins is mediocre, and Kirk Cousins this, that, and this other thing. But 154 times a man's been under pressure <laughs> while throwing the ball. I mean, that is – that's outrageous. So, you know, I, I think that's an interesting one. You know, Matt Ryan has been under pressure a lot too. Uh, he's thrown the ball 136 times under pressure. And Patrick Mahomes has thrown the ball 130 times under pressure. But I think it's a little bit different because I think a lot of that is of his own making. Um, but that being said, he has, you know, clearly just been incredible, uh, under pressure as well. Although he only completes 50% of his passes under pressure and, um, has thrown six picks, uh, in those scenarios as well. So if you're going to do it, you got to get him under pressure. Um, but you know, he has been an absolute magician with the ball in his hands as well. So, so there is that.
All right. Well, let's uh, get a few running backs and maybe a wide receiver in here before we get you out of here. Uh, Tevin Coleman. Uh, he's been destroyed, by the way, for his free agency. <laughs> the whole, like, can you imagine what Tevin Coleman can do? Well, we got to see it, and it's not been good. But Yeah, it's not good. The matchup this week. Can we potentially get a Tevin Coleman startable game if you've somehow survived with Tevin Coleman on your roster as a running back? Yeah, Arizona has been really, really bad against fantasy running backs. Um, and they've given up, you know, the third most fantasy points per game in standard leagues on the year. Um, and, you know, obviously it's not much better in PPR either. So I, the matchup and the volume dictate that you got to start the guy. Um, I don't think you got to love it, but I just think there's too much volume. The matchup is too nice. Um, you know, Atlanta playing at home as well. So, you know, the offense has certainly, you know, seen an uptick at home. Uh, so I, I just think it, there's just too many positives going in the direction of Tevin Coleman for you to sit him. I mean, I, I'm not expecting – he could absolutely give you top five numbers just because of all of those factors. I wouldn't expect it, but certainly hopefully he's not your RB1. <laughs> I would hope he's not. <laughs> um, I would hope he's your RB2. And in, in that scenario, I just don't see a situation where you're sitting up. And, you know, and I think that's the biggest thing is it's how many better options do you have? And so let's dive into that situation in Baltimore where we've had for the longest time the, the excitement, the want to see Kenneth Dixon and the potential and the injuries and the options. And the finally got his chance last week, looked the best of anybody in this backfield. Uh, the one good thing about it is if he's on the field, the Ravens aren't tipping their hand where it's Gus Edwards probably running the ball. If it's Ty Montgomery, probably passing the ball. Are you, if starting one Ravens running back in this game against the Buccaneers, which way are you going? Because I can see an argument for myself liking Dixon a lot. I can see the argument saying, you know what, the Ravens should be able to control this game, so they'll just pound it down their throats with Gus Edwards. Like, which way would you go if you had to pick one? Um, yeah, I mean, boy, um, I guess the, the reason I hesitate is because this, this backfield has me completely confused. <laughs> um, I just don't, I don't know what direction to go. Is this a one week blip? Can I, I agree with you. Dixon looked the best of the running back group. There's just no question. And you're talking to a guy that was a Kenneth Dixon truther, uh, back when he came out of school and he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. So now that he is, I guess, healthy and, and, you know, looks like he's going to be getting a lot of work in that Baltimore backfield. I, you know, you're thinking, why is this guy hesitant? It's just, I mean, Gus Edwards is still there. Buck Allen is still there. Lamar Jackson, you know, is still going to run the ball a lot himself. I just, I don't know what to make of this Baltimore backfield. And I, I feel really odd advocating for any one particular player uh, in this backfield, too. Look, the matchup is awesome, man. Tampa Bay is bad defensively. Baltimore's going to be playing at home. You figure they can, if they can, you know, generate and muster a couple of turnovers, they should, they're, they're going to be in ball control mode uh, for a large portion of this game. Um, that being said, I just don't know how the split's going to go. So it's really hard for me to, to have kind of a take on it. Um, and I, this is this is a backfield where I've literally kind of myself have just kind of sat back and and just kind of seen what other people think about the backfield and then um, you know and just kind of go off of that. So I just 
and and for the listeners out there, it, that happens. Okay, I'm not. I, I am not God. You know, I, there are certain situations where I, I kind of more just take in the info than give the info. And I think Baltimore's backfield is one of those backfields. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the things too. Is you know we can make our best analysis assumptions and you know break things down, but. I wish we were a guy when it came to fantasy because then, you know, we wouldn't steer anybody wrong. All right. <laughs> so let me get you out of here on this one. Jump to a wide receiver. Allen Robinson. Now, injuries to him, injuries to Mitchell Trubisky, those being aside because, of course, those are going to derail chemistry, you know, any type of flow that they've had in the season. But Allen Robinson still at times has flashed what makes Allen Robinson Allen Robinson. Matchup with this week with Jared Alexander at times, has been one of the best matchups. To It's funny because yeah, I think this is what happens with a young corner like him. Is At times, it's been like, oh my gosh, Alexander's playing a great game. And then there's the times where he calls out a team like the Saints and is getting torched the entire game. So <laughs> if you're saying right. Allen Robinson talent-wise, do you think this is a game where we can start Allen Robinson? This is, I know we're asking a lot of in-your playoffs, but you know these are the decisions people have to make. Would you feel comfortable with Allen Robinson? Um. I would. I've got him in a playoff roster, and I'm playing him. You know, the volume stats aren't great. You know, you take a look at the target share. He's under 20%, you know, at 18.9%. And then for air yards, he's at 25% uh, on the season. Now, look, um, believe it or not, Taylor Gabriel actually has more targets um, than Allen Robinson on the season. Now, look, I get it. Allen Robinson missed, you know, a, a good healthy amount of the season. So, um you know, that being said, I think Allen Robinson is pro A Rob's probably their number one uh, de facto, but they spread the ball around a lot and they definitely do not force feed any one particular receiver. So, I, you know, I'm playing them. I don't feel great about it, but I, I certainly am playing them because I think the matchup is good. I, I think Green Bay can absolutely be beat over the top. Um, Jair Alexander is, is a good player. He's not a great player. Um, and he's a young player too, you know what I mean? So, um, there are definitely times he's going to be exploited. So yeah, I, I think there's a lot of touchdown, you know, exposure in this game. I think it's going to be a high, higher scoring game, um, uh, with, you know, the Packers playing, they're playing at home, right? They're playing in Lambeau. Uh, no, it's in Green Bay. Or, oh, it's in no, Chicago. It's in hey, no, it's in Chicago. <laughs> no, they're not playing at home. It's in Green Bay, James. <laughs> it's, in it's in Chicago. Okay, well, um, but I, I think it's going to be a higher scoring, uh, a higher scoring game. Uh, I think Green Bay's offense looked a little bit more comfortable last week. Um, I, I just wonder if they were just second guessing everything that was coming down from Mike McCarthy, and they just weren't playing with a lot of confidence. Um, and so for me, I, I think, uh, I, I think Green Bay, you know, looked a little bit better than, than they have in previous weeks throwing the ball. I just think it's going to be a higher scoring game. And, and Allen Robinson, again, can, can expose the secondary. Um, he, you know, and it, it's always this way with receivers. You just need one big play. And can Allen Robinson give you that one big play? Yes, absolutely. He can from a volume standpoint, you know, I don't think he's, he's not great, uh, from a volume standpoint, but you know, he's, he's okay. He's all right. He's right there. You know, he's giving you something like, you know, 20, 20% target share and 25% air yard share. So I think that's absolutely reasonable for a wide receiver two um, flex player. But, you know, anytime you got one of these volatile, you know, wide receiver types, they can, they could post bad numbers too, you know, and that's kind of the problem with, with a Rob, but 
I got him in a playoff roster. I'm playing him with, you know, I, I wouldn't say confidence, but uh, certainly as a wide receiver to flex play, I, I, I felt absolutely inclined to play him. Yeah, cautiously optimistic. I'll give you yeah, that. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly right. All right. Once again, I did it at the top, but I'll let you do it at the close, James. Let everybody know where to find you and follow you and get all this great information that you give out every single week. Yeah, it's, um, you can find me on Twitter. Um, <clears throat> you know, if you've got a subscription to The Athletic, you know, my column comes out every Friday, but um, I do, you know, give out, dish out a lot of next-gen info uh, on Twitter as well. Um, and, you know, I, I tell you what, if you just, you, you could even just search the hashtag next-gen stats and uh, you could find me there. But uh, at James Deco, uh, as I mentioned, Athletic Column comes out every Friday and, of course, every Sunday morning and all throughout uh, – your early and afternoon slate, late afternoon slate. Uh, you can find me on DirecTV, uh, DirecTV Channel 704. Uh, terrific fantasy show called Fantasy Zone. Uh, it's myself, Dan Helly, Kay Adams, uh, and the guru, John Hansen. So uh, we basically go game to game to game, uh, red zone style, and kind of give out all the info fantasy style. So it, it's, a, it's a great show. If you haven't listened to it or haven't watched it, I uh, would strongly encourage you to kind of partake. As always, thanks, James, to the show, and I'll be back next Thursday. Actually, pretty much close out the season. So, yeah, yeah, good times. Thanks as always, man. All right, absolutely. Once again, that was Rich Shrebar of Roto World and James Coe, as you know. Uh, you watch him on Sundays. You can check him out at The Athletic. You can check out his next-gen stats. He's tweeting stuff out all throughout the week. So make sure you give both of them a follow. It'll make you better fantasy players. Again, I'll be back next Tuesday and Thursday for this podcast, as always, Monday and Wednesday for the Patreon page. And then we got Christmas coming up in about a week and a half, two weeks-ish time. And if you want to see the top 10 Christmas songs, you should go to The Athletic because my list is there. And I don't care what you say. My list is the best. Although, you know what? This is the one time where if we argue about things, it's, it's a Christmas list. You can't get that upset about it. If you have a good Christmas song, send it over. Whatever you want to tweet me or send me. Or you know what? I just have a good Christmas in general. Have a good weekend in general. I'm getting to see Advanced Aquaman on Saturday. Go out. Go enjoy some time with the family. Enjoy some football. We have Saturday football. So a lot of good things. I'll talk to you guys next week. Hopefully you're still alive and going for the championship. Have a good one. I was writing my article and it's like, ooh, Doug Martin looks good. I'm like, who the hell's playing Doug Martin? Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs>